heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody. This is probably going to be the nicest episode of YWC football talk that I've ever done. Uh, For those of you who are wondering what I am talking about, last episode was 68, so that's all I'm going to say. This episode is going to be the nicest episode of YWC football talk ever. I've said it twice now. I'm going to stop. On today's show, we have Tommy Stout from Chicago, noted Bears fan, so he's going to rant, he's going to bitch, he's going to complain, but you know what? I'll let him do it. I'll let him vent about his team. We're going to talk some other NFL news and some other stuff. But anyway, guys, when I come back, Tommy will be on with me as we talk Chicago Bears football, NFC North, and whatever else comes to mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of YWC Football Talk. I'll say it one more time. The nicest edition of YWC Football Talk. And just like that, folks, I am back. I have Tommy Stout with me, one half of the show. I'm going to call him the Chicago Connection just because him and Pico... Great hosts next time I get out to Chicago whenever this uh, damn pandemic's over with. But anyway, Tommy, welcome to YWC Football Talk. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. No problem, no problem. Uh, The one thing I have never had in my year-ish and a bit history of doing this show is a Chicago Bears fan. I've always wanted to talk to one just to get the whole gauge of the franchise to see where you are as a fan of the Bears. So... Uh, the quick joking answer before my actual answer would be, it sucks. Um, the, so the best way I feel like I can describe it from a first person point of view is, you know, we, we had this awesome team in 85, you know, the best, it, like it's arguably the best, but definitely one of the best defenses that has ever existed. And that's kind of something that we've tried to continue uh, throughout history since then with the Bears is, you know, you always want to have that big bruising defense with the huge names and the dudes that are just going to go out and light everyone up, which is all great. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it makes for some awesome defensive football. But, you know, more and more, I mean, we see it with guys like Mahomes, uh, guys like Lamar Jackson, you know, you're coming through and you want this super dynamic, like sweet to watch offense. And that's kind of what runs the league. And that's just, I mean, (laughs) it goes without saying the bears haven't necessarily had that, you know, franchise electric quarterback. Statistically our best quarterback ever is Jay Cutler, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Jay Cutler guy, but that's not telling of a great franchise at all. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point where, you know, our, our ownership, and I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of get into that in more detail later on, but at some point it's time to move on, but you know, I don't, I don't blame them for not wanting to sell the team. I mean, this has been in the family for literally ever, so I don't blame them for not wanting to sell it, but it's, it's well past time because we can't keep doing this song and dance where it's the same thing every year. 
Yeah, exactly, because obviously Papa Bear, George Hallis, uh, one of the only teams, I believe, who has the actual initials of the owner incorporated into their uniform. For years, I don't know why, but I always was like, what the hell is GSH? And then eventually my dumbass decided to look on Google and see, oh, hey, it's for George Hallis. Um, <laughs> yeah, but now Virginia's getting up there. Uh, getting up there. She, I believe, is in her 90s. Uh, the only thing I'll say, though, is because this reminds me of where the Bills were like five or six years ago, probably even further back than then when Ralph Wilson passed. I feel like you need the right owners who are going to be dialed into the city of Chicago because I don't, I can't see it like being like the Bills situation where the Bills, there was threats of, hey, an owner could come in and move them. I think this team is rooted in Chicago. Moving them would be a huge mistake. I'm not trying to say that or anything. I'm just saying if the, you've got to find the right person to dance with. Like if you want to do the dance and sell the team, that's all I'm saying. Like you just got to find that right partner who's going to come in and not only a turn the organization around and bring a winning culture to Chicago, but you need to find someone who's going to be connected and passionate about the city, too. That's just me. Yeah, so, I mean, really, you nailed it there. There's there's always jokes every year about, like, um, you know, forget this, just move the team to L.A. or move the team here, move the team there. And that's, like, honestly, it's kind of sad now saying it out loud, but that's, like, what a lot of Bears fans say jokingly just to kind of get through the season. Like, oh, it's okay, you know, it won't be Chicago forever. But... Realistically, you know, I mean, the Blackhawks had um, and you know the Cubs won in twenty sixteen, and that was a huge deal. Um, the Bulls had their run in nineties. Chicago. It, how terrible everything is. Like you said, you know, in the culture to where if we, fortunately, uh, Virginia passes on or she decides to sell the team or something like that, we have to find someone who isn't necessarily from Chicago because, you know, that would be super narrow-minded to limit it to that. But you have to find someone who kind of you know, gets it. Like, this is what we love. We think no bad is that good. So you got to go out there and to, like, make us love you, you have to love just not something that we feel is happening right now. So we definitely have to find someone who is that way. And obviously some random city on the coast or whatever, they're not going to come in and be like, oh, you know, I'm born and raised in Chicago, this, that. They're not going to love it the same way that we do. But if someone can come in and see the history and see the love that the fans have for it, maybe they can, you know, learn to kind of incorporate it into themselves like we do as Chicagoans every day. Yeah, that's the exact thing I was looking for. That I love that you said the whole, you may not find someone who's directly from Chicago, but if someone can come in and truly appreciate the history of the team appreciate the fans because with Chicago sports it's very interesting because like like you said there was the magical Hawks run that was five years which there's I could that's an that's a whole another topic but there's probably the most surprising team in the NHL right now the Bulls obviously have struggled really since the whole Michael Jordan thing like they've had their moments but they haven't had their championship moments and then you have the rivalry with the Cubs and the White Sox where it's divided but I feel like everyone comes together as a Bears fan and I just looked it up while you were talking but 
Virginia's 98, so I think it's more likely that she passes on just because... I actually brought this up on the last episode I did where when ownership passes away, it's very tough to see who's going to handle the team next because that's another thing I'm going to look at as well is who's that next in line to take on the Bears, which I feel like it would be in the best interest in the family to sell the team. Also noteworthy, she is worth $2.4 billion, which at 98 isn't also a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, there was there was a pretty funny little thing that came out. I think it was this past week. Um, someone wrote in a handwritten letter to the Bears. Basically, I mean, I don't know. It was kind of like rude to when you think about it. Basically, wrote in and said, "Hey, you know, you guys suck. Sell the team." And uh, George McCaskey, who's like the big figurehead obviously everybody knows virginia like they show her on all the nationally televised games because you know she's she's the daughter of papa bear right so it's it's the big thing but george is pretty much the face like when you go to the bears convention which obviously you know hasn't happened because of covid but when it was happening you go to the bears convention it's always george mccaskey he's like leading the charge for the ownership and he's the face that's always out there uh, he responded to that letter that I was referring to and basically said, like, no, nah, I'm good. We're going to keep at it, which part of me respects because it's like, you know, you're handwriting a letter responding to handwritten criticism. But then I get to thinking about it and it's like, oh, man, even, you know, obviously I, I don't want Virginia to pass away at all. But realistically, like you said, she's 98. She's. Not the most spring chicken of all time. So at some point, you know, she'll be out, unfortunately. But the the worrying thing is, do they really want to keep it in the family once she either moves on or passes on? I certainly hope not. But it seems like that may be the way that it's going, at least as of now. Yeah, I also think the other more significant problem is Ted Phillips. I feel like that's someone you should more look look to move on from now because no one really knows. Like, I know he's the president, obviously, and then you have George as the chairman. Um, but with Kim, because like we noticed this with in Washington with Bruce Allen, they got rid of him and their culture changed and they've gotten better. But I feel like with the Bears right now, like I want to switch gears as well and ask you. Obviously, I'm not. I don't want to get into Ryan Pace because we all know that you probably go on until like eleven o'clock tonight. But <laughs> with Matt Nagy, where do you where do you stand on him right now? Because like I feel like with him, he's good, but then like he had his moment in the sun, and then he's kind of like plateaued since. So I feel like it's up to him to reimagine the offense. Also, not to mention too, I feel like Bill Lazor should have been fired along with Chuck Pagano this offseason. Yeah, so, like you said, you know, I could go on for probably the next 24 hours about pace, so we'll just, we'll kind of leave it at that, because I have the same thoughts as everyone else. Uh, with Nagy, I kind of, I kind of fluctuate on Nagy. For the most part, I am fairly out on him. Like you said, he had that moment in the sun, his first, you know, season, season and a half, where, I mean... To be honest, he was getting compared to like McVeigh, and he's like, "Oh, this this up and coming offensive mind," and he's he's so creative, and he does all these things, which was great when you know when nobody knew what the Bears were all about, so it was all new, and no defenses knew what was going on with 
you know, the, the quirky trick plays and this and that, and Mitch hadn't been really exposed like he has been now. So Nagy was able to kind of do more of the things that he loves to do, like the the weird handoff to the lineman at the two yard line, or the you know handing it to the fullback who throws it to the lineman in the end zone. He could do all that, and now that the offense has kind of, um, I guess, gotten stale is the best way to put it. Now that that's happened, he just can't do that anymore, and it seems like he's just kind of. He's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. You know, there's games where he runs the ball a thousand times, even though it's not working and he refuses to change it. And then there's other games where he throws the ball a thousand times and he refuses to change it. It seems like he's very like polar in that way, where it's one way or the other, and he almost never mixes it up too much. Now, to be fair to him, he did kind of change that um, during this season a bit. And, you know, you saw the Bears, obviously, they still were awesome, but they started to improve. You know, it's the different looks and having the defense on their toes more, which he doesn't do enough of. Now, maybe we go out and we get a new quarterback and he can kind of mold him like he tried to do with Mitch. And maybe this said new quarterback, if it ends up happening, maybe it works out with Nagy and Nagy can kind of run the offense he wants to run, but... I think to do that, uh, you know, there's a lot of other issues to fix as well. So I, I think Nagy's he's got something. Like, he's not dumb. He knows what he's doing. But I just don't think that he's, at least right now in the last year or so, I don't think he's willing to be flexible enough than, like, you know, changing his game plan. He wants to play his game, and it's nothing else. It's like his way or the highway, and... If he can change that, then, you know, maybe things change. Maybe we see some uh, some comeback of that Bears offense when it was, you know, super electric a couple of years ago in that playoff run. Exactly. They have to reimagine that because even, too, obviously there was the unfortunate uh, doink in the, or do, uh, double doink in the wild card game in 2018 against the Eagles because if you guys win that game, I it, like, it changes the course of the season because I think you guys would have gone to L.A. to play the Rams and then it would have been the um, – Cowboys would have gone to New Orleans to play the Saints, I believe. It's just this... How do I say this? I feel like ever since then, it kind of like really... That really took the air out of the whole Bears. Because like it's been two 8-8 eight and eight seasons since. With this year, you guys just squeaked into the playoffs. Uh, Mitch obviously was MVP, which was a very big honor to win. Um, <laughs> but with, with Chicago, I feel like this is the year for both of them. Because I remember you said to me on a Skype call for AEW one night that... The Bears will not fire a head coach and a GM during the regular season, which I do respect a lot. Like, it's either after the season. It's always after the season. Like, look, let him finish his tenure. Because even going back with Bears coaching history, after Lovey Smith, I feel like Mark Trestman was a bit of an error. John Fox proved to be horrible. Um, but I feel like with Nagy, if you give him one more chance, I feel like if he goes in this year kind of like with that fire lit under his ass... Maybe you'll see that 2018 him come out, but I feel like, it, like you're saying, if he's the same old stubborn Nagy, I fully expect a new coach in Chicago come 2022. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, you know, my dad, he introduced me to football and he kind of molded me into the Bears fan I am today. So, um, you know, we'd be, if we're not watching the game together, then we're talking about it. And that's kind of been the sentiment that him and I have agreed on. Like, do we love Nagy? No, 
but I would much rather give him one more chance if it means Pace is out. So I think Pace is the main, well, not the main problem, but he's the bigger problem than Nagy. And I think Nagy, he's, like I said, he's still got something there. It's just going to, it's going to take some coaxing to get out of him. And, you know, like you said, he, he has to know that his job with the Bears is on the line here. Um, it, to me, it should have been last year, but obviously it ended up not being that way. He has to know that this is it now. So he's got to, you know, whether it's he figures something out himself or he figures something out with Mitch or the new quarterback, if a new quarterback comes in, whatever it is, something's got to change or, you know, he's going to be looking for a new spot to coach here soon. But, you know, I guess that's the fun of it. I guess we'll see, right? Exactly, because Ryan Pace at 20 is a very interesting opportunity where um, he can go either way. He can go quarterback. I think another position you guys can go with is a guard or a tackle because the Bears line, I feel like, after, especially after uh, Chris Long retired, took a really big hit. Um, personally, though, I would go quarterback because this week coming up, there was actually a report that came out yesterday from ESPN's Diana Rossini who spoke to a coach. She didn't say who. They expect next week to be a bloodbath when it comes to cuts. So there could be a bunch of quarterbacks that come available, and Ryan Pace could see someone, give them a one-year deal on the cheap, and if it works out, it works out. And if not, you kind of start back from square one. But the one guy uh, that I think more than likely will be cut that I think you guys could go after and is familiar with Nagy is Alex Smith. So I, have, I haven't seen any, like, rumors or reports connecting the two but that did always seem to be like hey you know maybe it's not the most glamorous signing or you know it's it's certainly not like going out and you know trading up picks or something crazy to get trevor lawrence which obviously you know isn't an option at all but it's just it's not a glamorous thing but like you said he does he has the history with Nagy. he kind of gets it and the big thing i think is Nagy gets him a lot more than he seems to get Mitch uh, because he, he seems to think that Mitch is something that he just, I'm sorry, he's not. And I, I think he probably knows, at least I hope, uh, he knows Alex Smith a bit better than Mitch. So, yeah, maybe it's it's not the exciting, you know, sidearm throws and running for 100 yards a game and doing all this, but maybe that is something that, you know, you bring him in and, Hopefully he continues this awesome comeback story and, you know, who knows? It, it could be something that kind of changes the course of the team and the franchise, but I don't know. I, I don't see a whole lot happening with the quarterback position, unfortunately. I, I just have this horrible feeling and maybe it's just because I'm jaded as a Bears fan, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's another thing we'll talk about more, but it's... I, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I don't blame you because like the Bears like really haven't had a franchise quarterback since like I'd say Sid Luckman, and that's well before your mind time. Um, like obviously Jay Cutler was there and led you guys to an like and even Rex Grossman too. You got to a Super Bowl, you got to an NFC Championship game, but do you, I don't know if you really consider them to be franchise guys. So like, the only other route I could look at for you in the first round would be if you got Mac Jones at twenty from Alabama, or even to. Going back to the Alex Smith point, if you guys drafted, not drafted, uh, signed Alex Smith in free agency and then drafted a day two or day three quarterback, someone who needs developing that Alex can teach so that 
if Alex plays, say, 21, 22, 23, that person's ready to take over. Yeah, and, you know, my my buddy uh, from work, he's, so he, he's not like, oh, the Bears have to go get Mac Jones, like, they got to do this, got to do this, but he's pretty big on Mac Jones, and I was never, like, you know, I didn't think anything, well, I, I mean, obviously, it's a big name, big school, and all that, but I didn't see him as, like, okay, let's go out and get this guy, but... Obviously, you know, Lawrence is going uh, number one overall. It seems like there's all these quarterbacks that that seem to be, they're probably just going to get picked like right before the Bears. So it kind of whittles down our chances. Maybe we do go get him or like you said, you know, someone on someone on later, someone later in the draft. And like you said, get a guy like Alex Smith and bring him in and just kind of kind of bridge the two together because I think at this point unfortunately um, you know as much as I love this defense and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks all these guys I think you got to build for the future because this defense just simply it's not going to last long enough in my opinion to get to this hopefully new quarterback that we draft and you know it's it's a sleeper pick and they become awesome I just don't think that timing is going to work out in our favor unfortunately which obviously i could be wrong it could but i think it's time to you know look two years down the road instead of looking to necessarily next year and even the year after that you know what i like that attitude a lot where you know that hey you're not going to be a super bowl contender going into 2021 um there's a couple teams obviously one from the north that probably will be and there's another one who it's an odd number of years so we don't know we'll get into that later but I'm just even looking at the roster right now, like another because th- there's a lineman that escaped my mind who opted out for 2020. It's coming back, and that's uh, like Eddie Goldman, someone who you really missed the presence of in 2020. Um, it's just the, the Bears. It's like one of those teams that you think you have, like they think they have it right. Like it kind of goes south, like or even to this year. Like there was a lot of those games that they could have won that they lost. Like oh, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, the oh yeah, the Minnesota game on Monday Night Football. Um, there's just certain things that, like, they kind of did to shoot themselves in the foot almost because, like, they'll have a great game against uh, Houston, and then they'll get their doors, and then there was the game where they got their doors blown off by the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So it's just, they have to find that consistency, like, where, hey, if you're going to lose games, don't get, like, blown out on primetime, but then beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but then also to put up a fight against those teams that, you know what, are a little bit out of your league, even though a lot of the times the Bears do play the Packers tough. Yeah, and that's... That's really a big thing that um, Bears fans have kind of been asking for, I mean, realistically for years since like 2006. Um, Just you have to beat the teams that you have to beat, which I know is like redundant and sounds cliche, but that's the way it is. You know, these, these teams that realistically they're bad and they're worse than the Bears, you have to go out and beat these teams. And like you said, just like going up against the Packers, going up against uh, the Buccaneers, which I still don't know how we beat them. It's just all I ask for is just, you know, make it a game and don't lose by 35 points, you know, on national TV, in your own stadium and all of that. Just just do what you can and try your 
artist for the rest of it, which again is like super corny and cliche, but it's kind of the way it is because like you said, we know we're not going to be Super Bowl contenders. We also know that we're not going to be the worst team in the league. I guess, well, I hope not. Um, but you just got to at least give us something. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, give us something, anything, please. It's kind of like what you've been asking for, for like what Cubs fans were wanting for a while before they were building up and then eventually won the World Series. Now, obviously the Cubs are in that purgatory right now, but like I said, this is football. Not This is not football, not baseball. Um, the other thing with this team is just that like with especially to this year with eight and eight, like if there was fans there again, I feel like maybe there'd be more precedence for firing them. Just because, look, if there's a packed house at Soldier Field, uh, I have you ever been to a Bears game before? Just out of curiosity, I have, yes, years and years ago, but I have. Okay, cool, cool. Because I've also been to Soldier Field as well, so that's why I was asking. Not for a game, I toured it in the summer of 2016 when I was in Chicago. Very nice stadium, by the way. It's just. Um, with fans, because I assume by the start of 2021, hopefully COVID isn't a thing of the past, but NFL stadiums, all 32 are full, where it's not like, oh, some stadiums are, some stadiums aren't. And if the fans are back, they're going to want to come back and see something good, because you're not going to want to go into whether it's one, two, week one, two, or three. I don't, because obviously schedule's not out yet. The fans are going to want something, a reason to buy tickets for in 2021 is the point I'm trying to get at. And it's up to Ryan Pace right now. To give the give the fans what they want, sign some key players, convince some guys to come to Chicago, and you know what? Put butts in seats because obviously the Bears always are sold out. But I'm just saying that if you have that like sense of doubt or it's the same team as 2021, I feel like fans are going to be kind of like iffy about it, you know? Yeah, and I think like to that point, I think the first game, maybe two games at Soldier Field after you know. The, the fans are allowed to pack the stadium again and everything's all safe and all that. I think the first two games, maybe one, depending on how badly that first game goes, um, I think there will be some leeway because everyone will just be so thrilled to be back in Soldier Field and, you know, yeah, uh, drinking a bunch of beers with, with the buddies and watching the Bears and all that. So it'll be like whatever like it'll basically just be a huge party that happens to be at soldier field but i think after that like if things aren't going well you are going to hear it and you're going to hear it loud because i've said this a few times um i think if if the fans are in the stadium and you know obviously this is revisionist history but if covid never happens and everything's normal i don't see any way that Nagy and Pace survived this because you would have had the whole stadium just booing everybody out like so many times and you just you can't you can't survive that as where like if there's no fans in the stadium so you don't get that nationally televised embarrassment where everyone in the country sees you know your team getting booed off the field after you just lost by 50 points to the Packers it's it's one of those things where there's going to come a time where things are going to flip from like oh we're just happy to be in the stadium to okay like we're we're Bears fans again like fix this or we are going to let you hear it and at some point that's going to come I just you know I, I hope it's it's got to be either right away so they get the point 
or, you know, hopefully not at all. And maybe they change their mind and everything goes great, but it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm actually, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like I said, my prediction is like one or two games of just happiness, but who knows? Maybe if the off season goes really bad and we do some stupid stuff, like we sign Nick Foles to an eight year contract extension, then the fans are going to let him hear it right away. But It'll be interesting to see just based on how the off season goes. That's that's where I was getting at. Like, it dep- I think a big portion of it is how, more or less, how these next like three weeks pan out. And I say that just because, look, you're gonna see guys get cut. You're gonna see, and it's not like oh, it's gonna happen here or there. No, I think all thir- majority of the 32, you're gonna see players getting cut, and then it's gonna be up to pace to pick up the phone and convince someone, hey, come to Chicago, come help build a winner. But it's you're right, like what you said before. You can't make the 2021 Chicago Bears be what the 1985 Bears were. Like, Mike Singletary, Ron Rivera, uh, Jim McMahon, uh, Mike Dicka, those guys are not walking through the door. They may be if they're doing an honoring night, or if they're doing something to honor them, or just honor that team. But you have, like like we said before, you gotta... You gotta make Bears fans happy. You gotta make them going into the season not only a happy to be back in the stadium... But be happy to see what the on-field product looks like. Like, give them that sense of hope and optimism. Don't go into it thinking, oh, hey, here's another 8-8 eight and eight season. Because that's... I, the one thing I've learned recently is that's the real purgatory of the NFL. Like, obviously, it's great when you're a Super Bowl contender. And if you're bad, you're bad. Like, I'm saying, like, when you're under six wins. Because you know, hey, we're going to be in the top ten. We're going to rebuild our franchise. We're going to get some exciting players in here. But if you're constantly in that 6-10 to 10 to, like, 9-7 and seven window, no fan wants that. And another thing with that, too, is, you know, you mentioned that same thing with uh, the Cubs earlier, how they're kind of in that purgatory. Yeah. That's, I mean, I hear that word purgatory like a thousand times every day listening to Chicago podcast, Chicago radio, just everything talking about Chicago sports. Barstool, Chicago, I assume. Uh, <laughs> yes, you got it. Yeah. Didn't know if I was allowed to plug it there. No, you can't. Um, so, yeah, it's. The Cubs are there. The Bears are mostly there. I mean, like you said a while ago, two straight seasons, eight and eight, and it's just the same story. It's like, okay, sure, we competed and we squeaked into the playoffs in a weird COVID year with, you know, everything being different. And then, you know, Nagy and Pace are able to go to ownership and be like, oh, we competed hard. You know, we got in the playoffs. Look at all our our perseverance through all this and everything. It's like, okay, sure, like, Obviously, COVID's affected everyone, and it's been super weird, so I get that. But just 8-8 eight and eight is the worst place to be, especially on top of that when we haven't had first-round picks in like a 1,000 years, and we're not going to have first-round picks for a 1,000 years, at least meaningful ones, because they've all been traded away or traded up with or anything like that. So it's just even on draft day where it's supposed to be, you know, unlimited possibilities, all this stuff. Bears fans are kind of like, okay, like, (laughs) what pick is Ryan Pace going to mess up next? And how are they going to do something to ruin my fandom for another year running? Uh, It's, you know, hopefully we don't get any of that this year. Hopefully there's a solid pick and something to get excited about, but... It's just, it's it's been kind of a holding pattern for a while, and it's not a whole lot of fun, but I guess that that's the way the cookie crumbles. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just that unfortunate reality of, yeah, we don't have anything. Like you're like you said, eight and eight. You're gonna hear that word purgatory a lot. Like it's a word I've been saying as a Pats fan the last year because obviously the seven and nine finishing out. I don't know where my team's headed, but especially I just can't imagine it two years in a row. Like yeah, I even like when even earlier when I said the Barcelona Chicago thing, I remember seeing a clip on Twitter from their live stream where they were just like. Yeah, eight and eight again. It's like they got in the playoffs, but like the fans didn't even seem happy to be there. It's just like, yeah, we finished it. We managed to squeak in, but we're probably like, did you guys go into that game thinking you were going to beat the Saints? I went in thinking we were going to keep it close. I probably subconsciously convinced myself that, oh, you know, maybe the Saints have an off day and the Bears' defense goes crazy and this and that. So I'm sure, like, I convinced myself in a dream the night before that there was a chance. But realistically, no. I, I don't think anyone that's been watching this Bears team for the last couple of years truly thought that the Bears were going to beat them and move on. And like I said, if there's a crazy situation where, you know, we play out of our minds and the Saints are horrible on the night or whatever, which is definitely possible, even if that happens, we're just going to go and get smashed in the next game. So it's it's just one of those things where even when we have something, like we have playoff football to watch, it's like, okay, but what different? And then get smashed next week or two weeks from now or whatever it is. So it's a, we have something to watch and something to look forward to. It's just like, but told me that I really sh- All right, folks, thanks for having some quick technical difficulties on uh, Tommy's end. Just uh, stand by. We'll be back in just a second. Sorry, folks. Sometimes in a perfect world, uh, some things can go wrong. We had some technical issues, but we're back up and running. Um, Just the – I was trying to think about where we were at before, but like like we were saying, it's just you don't want to be in purgatory, and hopefully the Bears get out of there sooner than later because also I feel like there are a lot of the butt-end jokes of the league because of that, and also – for as much as I hear, you guys probably hear the whole, oh, Watson over Trubisky or even Mahomes over Trubisky. I feel like the worst part about the whole trade was, is the fact that you guys moved up a spot to go get Mitch. Like, if you got him at three, I feel like the criticism would still be there, but it wouldn't be as heavy. And that's, yeah, that's, you kind of nailed it there. The big thing, I mean, even on draft day, when we traded up, it was like, okay, like maybe they see something that we don't and they know something we don't. But then you sit down and you think about it. I don't think Mitch was going to be taken there. So it it ended up, the story came out. Um, I don't know if this was something that was kind of a story told nationally, but in Chicago, it basically came out that, you know, Pace and the Bears, they were basically betting against themselves to go get Mitch, which is something that, I, I love Mitch as a person. Like, by all accounts, he's an awesome dude, and he's got a great attitude and all this. But the fact that, you know, we kind of handcuffed ourselves and basically told everyone, like, hey, come take our draft picks and do all this so we can go draft someone that we really want that nobody else does ahead of us, that's the part that really, really upsets me with the Mitch pick. Like you said, if it was if we didn't trade up, and we took Mitch, would it still be, like, a bad pick? Yeah. But it just, it hurts so much more 
when we traded for the rights to pick him for like no reason. Yeah, because the the first time I heard about this was there was actually a Sports Illustrated feature on YouTube with Peter King, where he spent the day of that draft with John Lynch in Santa Clara and. In the room, they basically, they even knew, they were like, oh, hey, we're going to, like, we're going to finesse the Bears because we know all along, like, you can even, John Lynch admits it, they wanted Solomon Thomas in that draft all along. There was no questions, they wanted Thomas, but they knew how badly they wanted him, so instead of even just swapping picks, they managed to get, I think it was two or three extra picks in the fourth and fifth round out of Ryan Pace, so it's like, that's really where you kind of shoot yourself in the foot, because... Even I just want to go back to the Mahomes thing quickly because we all knew Watson coming out of college was great. But like when people say now, it's like, oh, you had him over Mahomes. I was like, no one knew when Mahomes was drafted that he was going to be this icon in the league at such a young age. Like I think if on twenty on that draft night, if you had told Chiefs fans, hey, he's going to be MVP, he's going to lead you to two Super Bowls in his first three years of starting, I don't know. If, I think they would have taken that with a grain of salt just because his college tape wasn't the best. That's just that's just something else I want to throw in there. So. When people say Trubisky over Mahomes, I get, like, now obviously it looks bad, but at the time, like, Mitch was the better scouted quarterback coming out of school. Not to put salt, like, to trying to take some gasoline out of the fire. Not my part. Yeah, it's, it's kind of revisionist history. Like you said, you know, Mitch was, Mitch was more of a name than Mahomes at that point. Like, I had heard... The name Patrick Mahomes, like I knew that he was a guy, like I knew he was okay, but exactly like you said, if you would have told me, you know, he's going to two Super Bowls, he's going to win one, he's going to be the MVP, he's going to be, you know, part owner of the Royals or whatever he is, like all these things, it's like, yeah, okay, man, like whatever. But, you know, here we are, and it turns out he's this generational quarterback and it's it hurts for sure knowing that we could have seen him at Soldier Field, but you know sometimes these things they just don't work out. And I mean I've been on the other side of it too with uh, Chris Bryant and the Cubs. So he was taken after I forget Mark Mark Appel Mark Apple something like that. I think Houston took him um, right before the Cubs took Bryant, and at the time it was like. People knew Chris Bryant, but people knew knew uh, this Apple Appel guy. And it turns out that he is nothing. And Chris Bryant, obviously, you know, his Rookie of the Year, MVP, all that. It's it's a situation that I've seen the other way. So I get why people are like ragging on it, like oh Mahomes or uh, Mitch over Mahomes, Mitch over Mahomes, all that. But I've I've seen what it's like the other way around. So it makes a lot more sense to me looking back on it. But don't get me wrong, it sucks. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm saying it sucks. I'm just saying, like, I understand the whole, like, how Watson felt the 12 was still kind of bizarre just because he was the guy coming out of school where he was one of the best quarterbacks. You had Dabo Sweeney saying, like, oh, he's like Michael Jordan, all those crazy stuff. So that's the only thing I was trying to say to kind of, like, alleviate pressure off of you. Even another example with Chicago sports, too, is uh, the 06 NHL draft. Eric Johnson was taken first, and then I'm trying to remember who was taken second, but then Jonathan Tapes fell to you guys at third. So it's kind of this... The similar thing where the I, I, I I'm actually curious. I'm gonna look up this draft quickly. The 2006 NHL draft, which actually took place in Vancouver. Fun fact of the day for anyone here who does not watch hockey. Um, see, I was Eric Johnson and then Jordan Stahl, both who had great NHL careers. But then Jonathan Taves at three, like three-time Stanley Cup winner, face of the Chicago. I I'd probably say Kane's the face of the Blackhawks. Like one of the best players in Blackhawk history. 
and also to all the success he's had on the international stage. So, I it, it it's had both effects on Chicago. It's kind of like when you compare the the three situations as you will. It's like a double edged sword almost, where you've experienced the good end of it, but then you've also experienced the bad in it. Yeah, and that's that's something that you know I kind of joke about with my parents all the time. It's like, yeah. It, we got the 2016 world series, which was amazing. And we all cried and we got all the, the Stanley cups, which is, was amazing. And we all cried, but man, that, that super bowl would just going back to what we said kind of towards the beginning of this, the whole city rallies around the bears, like nothing else. So if the bears were to have pulled off, you know, the run and the, the double doink never happens and maybe history's changed and somehow Mitch leads us to the promised land. This city, I mean, would never, ever, ever let that feeling go. It's just a whole different thing between the sports, as much as we love all of them, obviously. Going back and, you know, wishing that the Bears would have done things differently and different outcomes would have happened, it, it hurts. But, you know, I feel like I've said this a million times here, just like I say it a million times to friends and people I talk to about sports. I guess that is what it is, right? Exactly. Sometimes it's one of those, like, unfortunate, it is what, it's like It's like the famous TikTok that comes out, it is what it is. Like, it, it just, it sucks. Um, one thing I want to ask you as a Bears fan, um, obviously the rivalry, you and Green Bay, it's one of the oldest of all time, it's unmatched. Um who do you hate more, Minnesota or Detroit? Um, to be quite honest, I don't really even dislike Detroit. I feel like, first of all, they've always been kind of there, even with you know Stafford. They had uh, Megatron, and they have Kenny Galladay now. They've had, like, great players, but they've just kind of always been there in my eyes. And their fans, I've never I've never really had a bad run-in with a Lions fan, whereas I've had millions of bad run-ins with Vikings fans. Personally, to me, like, the Vikings are kind of like that, like a little gnat that's, like, buzzing around your head, and it's just super annoying, and you try to swat it away, but it never goes away. And that's not to say that, oh, the, the Bears are the Vikings' big brother or anything, because to me, the Vikings kind of have a more defined future, although not by much. They kind of have a better roadmap than the Bears do, so I'm not trying to degrade the Vikings too much. But yeah, I've, I've had some, some run-ins with Vikings fans to where I do not like them very much. Oh, I understand. Just because, like, with the Vikings, too, like, they do this weird thing where it's like, hey, we're good, and then it's... Last year was, hey, we got everyone signed. We're just going to be complacent and finish 7-9. and nine. And then this year it's, are you going to be good? Are you not? Like, Kyle Rudolph obviously left. So, like, I feel like there's a chance the Bears could finish in second again unless the Vikings, like, decide, like, unless the Bears decide the Bears just be the Bears again. But then if the Vikings out of nowhere, it's like, hey, it's an odd number year. We're going to actually play football well and go 10-6 and six or go 11-5. and five. And yeah, we're going to challenge Green Bay for the division until week 15. Uh, it's just one of those things, you know? Like, the Minnesota Vikings, I feel like, are... Like, what is it called? It, they're, they're literally the definition of Pandora's box. You honestly don't know what you're going to get with them. Yeah, and that's that's another part that actually 
you know, it makes me dislike them because there's a lot of these times where they're embarrassing and there's all these controversies going on where the coach lost the locker room and the quarterback is saying this about the wide receiver and vice versa. And, you know, it looks like everything's, you know, going south for them. And then you look at the schedule and all of a sudden, as a Bears fan, you see that you're playing the Vikings next week. And it seems like every single time the Vikings are going through some turmoil and they're, you know, doing all this stuff and the Bears are rolling. And then you look at those kind of roads merging and you realize, oh, no, this is a big time trap game. And it never fails. The Bears always find the a way to lose that in embarrassing fashion. So that's another thing that kind of makes me dislike the Vikings more. Just they make no sense a lot of the time. And a lot of it is at the expense of the Bears and Bears fans. Yeah. It's like one of those things where they like to be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, we're good all of a sudden. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, it's not, it's like that meme from SpongeBob where like the fish walks into the crafty crab and then he just walks right out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah, that is, I don't hate that. That is the Vikings. Yeah, and then, obviously, the Packers, we'll see what happens, like, but they still have a, like, they're, how do we put the Packers lightly? The Packers are bridesmaid, never the bride, because I, like, I've seen, there's this one Bears fan on my TikTok who always makes fun of the Packers, and I just feel like, when you guys watch them lose, it's just, like, poetic justice, just because more than watching, like, Aaron Rodgers fail, it's like, you just want to see Packer fans miserable. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I have one main friend that's a Packers fan in Mike, so um, I kind of, I like to give him the business every once in a while, so that there's like one Packers fan that I don't like when the Packers lose because then, like, it sucks for Mike, and you hate to see that as a friend, like, I know there's a huge joke like, oh, you hate to see it, but that's like legitimate, you hate to see it, but yeah, pretty much everyone other than Mike, like, if the Packers lose, it's a good day in, in Bears fandom, as pathetic as that sounds, because we can't get our own team to win, but I guess, you know, that's the way it is, and that's the way it's been since 85, pretty much, with the exception of a couple of years there around, like, 2006. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just, because I, I still have, a, 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 well, before I actually get into something else, fun fact, folks. He's referring to Mike Pico on Twitter, who actually made the logo for my podcast, which thank I always thank him for. I owe him a drink next time I see him, whenever the hell that is. And I've actually never met him or you in person, for that matter of fact. But, um, like, the whole thing with the NFC North, the NFC North, I feel like a lot of people want to take it, oh, it's Green Bay's division. But I'm just like, with the Packers, it's just so damn, like, interesting. Cause you, like, they're the same thing as the Vikings, where you don't know what they're going to do, but that's come playoffs. It's like last year how they... They probably still stayed more stagnant than the Bears did after 2020 because it's like, okay, but what really did you do to improve? Like, obviously, Rodgers had this MVP season, made it to the NFC Championship game, but Packers fans demand a Super Bowl. And that's like, that's another crazy thing is, obviously, do I do I want the Packers to do well? No. Do I want them to run the division and, you know, God forbid the league? Absolutely not. But they have, in my mind, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and I think that's pretty fair to say. And they're just like, the, that quarterback, that face of your franchise has publicly come out and said, you know, we need a weapon or two if we really want to go over the top and push for this thing. Obviously, he has his Super Bowl, 
So it's not like he's going for that first one. But, I mean, he's he's showing ambition. He's coming out and saying, you know, we need to go get an elite wide receiver to put us over the top. We need this, like, utility running back who's good at everything. And it always seems like he does that pretty much every year, maybe more like every other year. And the Packers' ownership is like, eh, like, we'll sign this random, like, lineman or something, and that'll be it. And every offseason, it never fails. It's like, oh, is Rodgers fed up with Packers' ownership, like this, that, and the other? He He's a guy who I don't think he's ever going to leave Green Bay. I know there's been rumors about it, uh, especially this past year after they didn't do anything to get him help with uh, the wide receiver position. But they realistically, like, looking at their quarterback and, you know, kind of the history of that franchise as well, like, they should be competing every single year. Like, oh, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl contender, which they kind of are because to me it is their uh, division unfortunately and like you said the only question that I ever have about them is are they going to show up in the playoffs or is it going to be yet another like they don't have enough weapons so Rodgers has to do everything himself and he's not getting any younger so he's not going to be able to do everything for too much longer so if you don't get him weapons I mean He's going to walk with only one Super Bowl, which obviously I'd I'd love to have a quarterback with one Super Bowl with the Bears. But to me, Rodgers and the Packers should have so much more considering like how long he's been as good as he's been. Yeah, exactly. Because like everything you said there is like how a lot of the time, like I felt as a Pats fan with Tom those later years, where I'm like, hey, we got Tom, we have a fighting chance. Um, the one thing I want to say with Rodgers, though, is, is and everyone, I feel like, took his post-game comments way out of context. I think it was just, you know what? Like, every human's been there in the world. You're frustrated, you're mad, and you either say something that you don't think about before speaking, or you just speak your mind because you're pissed off and you want the world to know it. Like, that's that's how I took it. Like, I honestly, and the one thing I will say about the Packers is they have to have a great offseason because there's a man by the name of Devontae Adams who is a free agent next year. And I think if the Packers don't do anything to improve, like, why would he want to stay when he knows that he can go to any other team in the league and make a great amount of money, you know? Yeah, and that's going to be... That's kind of the same way I'm thinking. They need to have a good offseason now to protect themselves later. Because like you said, I I thought it was two years from now, but I guess it's next year. Uh, Adams is possibly out. Um, If if he sees that the ownership just isn't going to help him, Rodgers, and all the kind of cornerstones of that franchise, if he sees that and he kind of sees the writing on the wall, he very well might say, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to go find somewhere else that is going to help build the team and give me a shot at at the Super Bowl, because obviously, you know, everyone wants to go and win the Super Bowl and do all this, but everyone wants to make money as well. And if the Packers aren't going to, like, spend the money, then Adams might look at them and be like, okay, so what's the guarantee that they're going to pay me what what he feels like he's worth? Exactly. And it's just a slippery slope that if they don't take care of, you know, guys like Rodgers guys like Adams, and go get a weapon so that those two in particular can make a run at this thing and really, really go into the season confident and strong, 
they very well may say, you know what, like you guys aren't matching my ambition in this. I don't see myself here, which would be crazy, but it's possible. Exactly. I did look it up while you were going on your little, little uh, talk, like when you were talking there. I was about to say rant, but it wasn't really a rant. Um, yeah, he is a free agent in 2022, so you really, it's like, how do I say this politely? You gotta pay, what's that expression? You gotta pay Peter to pay Paul? Mm-hmm. Like some, yep. Something like that. That's what it seems like now, where it's like, you've gotta pay other players now to do well for your team. To make sure you keep Adams later, because if Adams is happy this year, and like I'm not saying for them, hey, break the bank, go out and get Allen Robinson. No offense, go out and get like a Kenny Galladay. They can go out and get like an Emmanuel Sanders or a Wolf Fuller or someone who you can sign on the cheap. That's gonna take pressure away from Adams, so Adams can be himself. Like so, Adams isn't always getting double teamed, and if that happens, Valdez Scantling and Lazard really aren't. They're good wide receiver three and four. They're good for those catches once in a while, but not in a wide receiver two role, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's something that just came up uh, this past year. I forget, was it Fuller from the Texans? Is that who was rumored to be with, uh, like, showing interest from the Packers? Yes, and then there was the... Well, obviously, a few weeks after the trade deadline, his uh, suspension for PEDs came out, so... That's I th- I think maybe the Green Bay Packers were forewarned about that. That's why they didn't take them because if you do that, if you do that trade and you give up picks, because that's obviously what Houston would be asking for, um, you're really shooting yourself in the foot further because it's like okay, you made this trade. Now what? He's done for the year. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the hindsight thing uh, that goes into it. Obviously, looking back on it, that would be brutal. But at the time, you know, I saw a bunch of Packers fans that were like. Why are we not going out and getting this guy? Like, we need someone. We need someone to come support Devontae, to come support Rodgers. Like, just go get him. And they were super upset when it happened. And at the time, I was thinking, like, you don't even need someone like that. Kind of going back to what you said. You just need someone to, like, take pressure off him so he's not getting doubled every every play. And just give Rodgers another like above average body to throw to and you've got you got something going there you don't necessarily need a Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or someone of that level just to get someone in there that you can pay a decent amount but nothing too crazy you know it it could be obviously as a Bears fan I'm glad direction but I mean, I, I really don't see why they're not doing that. No, exactly, exactly. And uh, before we wrap up here today, um, one another Bears question I wanted to ask you. Obviously, besides quarterback, what are the other positions you think they really need to focus in on this offseason? Uh, so, I think choices 1A through, like, a 1,000 Z, we have to improve uh, the offensive line because... While I think Mitch and Foles were not exactly world-class quarterbacks, they didn't exactly get a whole bunch of help uh, from the offensive line. I thought the line was, especially in the second half of the season, was pretty, pretty good with the run. But it felt like they would have games where you know they were protecting the quarterback well, and then they would have two games in a row after that where, it, I mean... They couldn't block anyone if there was only one defensive lineman on the field. 
So I think I think COVID and injuries both had impacts on that because I think we we threw out like eighteen thousand different line combinations. I forget what the number was, but it was something crazy. So there's no chance for these guys to kind of gel and and uh, get used to playing together, which is definitely part of it. But even when guys would go on a streak of playing together and getting locked into their positions, it just didn't it didn't seem like it was anything that was going to lead to anything positive for the quarterbacks. They need help, and the offensive line just wasn't giving them any. So for people who don't watch the Bears but watch the Super Bowl, for a long time there, it felt like every single game was kind of like how the Chiefs were, where Mahomes is just having to run all over the place and he's getting hit and all this. Mahomes can do that. Foles cannot. Mitch can a little bit, but he had like he's had some nagging injuries that have kind of been annoying to him and have not let him run as much as he used to be able to. So Mahomes being able to get out of there and make things happen, that just doesn't exist on the Bears. So the offensive line is that much more important. So that's really, to me, where we need to focus. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, that's the one thing that's been noticed a lot more by the casual fan lately is you're not as good unless you have a stellar offensive line, one that's going to pass block, one that's going to run block well. Um, there's also a bunch of offensive linemen you guys can get at 20 or even in the second round too. It's just you have the cards. To, you basically you have the cards. You just got to know how to play them. Like you base or that like Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold. You got to know when to fold. Like you got to. Ryan Pace has to go into this draft and this free agency period knowing, hey, my job's on the line. I have to have a great class, and I have to have uh, a team that Chicagoans can be proud of. And that's that's what it comes down to. We're not asking for a Super Bowl every year. Would we love it? Yes, absolutely. But we, we kind of know where we stand and where we are in the league compared to these powerhouses. We know that we're just we're not there, and if we want to get back there, it's going to be years and years from now. We just want something exactly like you said, where we can be proud of it, and we can you know wake up every Sunday morning and put the breakfast on, or you know Monday night or whatever it is, and just we want to watch the Bears and not feel embarrassed that we're Bears fans. That's all we want, and it just it hasn't happened. Exactly, exactly. You know what? You just you want to wake up on Sunday mornings and be like, today's going to be a good day. You don't want to wake up on Sundays and be like, oh, for fuck's sake, I have to waste another three hours. <laughs> yeah, which I did a lot of. I, I, uh, I'm not, I'm actually, I was going to say I did a lot of in 2020 as well, but I'm not going to because one bad year for me is basically the rest of the NFL looking at me and going, really, really, one bad year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Well, anyway, um, it was a blast getting to talk to you. Hopefully, you got to get everything you got out. Because I remember when you and I DM'd each when I first DM'd you about coming on, you were like, I'm just going to vent and rant. And I was like, that is perfectly okay. So I hope whatever anger you had towards the Bears organization and Ryan Pace, you got off. Uh, the only thing I have to say is, why hasn't Bill Lazor been fired? That's, that's just me, though. Uh, listen. With, like, 75% of the things the Bears do and do not end up doing, I have no idea. So, <laughs> that's the same answer for that one. 
Exactly. Well, anyway, guys, if you want to follow Tommy on Twitter for Bears content, AEW content, and a little bit of everything in between, it's at tstout97. Yep, you got it. Oh, I did my homework. I uh, try to do the best else I can. Well, anyway, guys, thank you once again for listening to the nicest episode of YWC Football Talk. Uh, Once I told Tommy that it was going to be a nice episode, he was all in on it, no pun intended, for you wrestling fans out there. On had to, I just had to get it in one more time. Well, anyway, guys, next week's a big week. I have three, pod, uh, two podcasts for sure, Monday and when, Monday and Thursday night, maybe Wednesday night too. So it's going to be a busy week coming up with the uh, free agency right around the corner. But anyway, guys, have a good night for now, and uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.